Hello and welcome to the St. Emlyn's podcast. I'm Simon Carley. And I'm Ross Fisher. And in this podcast, we're going to take another look at aspects of paediatric surgery which are relevant to the emergency department and particularly paediatric emergency departments. And it's talking around this topic which causes quite a lot of problems actually in, in our PD. We have lots of children being brought to the ED with problems with the foreskin, or problems with the penis of boys, obviously. And I'm not sure that we have a great way of assessing their need to get further treatment and really making with not that much of an evidence-based approach to this group of uh, children. So I thought it'd be great to talk to Ross about how we can manage this group of young boys better. Yes, it's a common problem, poorly understood and full of probably old wives and old GPs tales about what should and shouldn't be done. The reality is I say to to friends and colleagues, there is nothing wrong with the foreskin of a boy under the age of five that needs much doing to it. Certainly not circumcision. But then we do see quite a lot of boys being brought in who have a sore, inflamed, red, swollen foreskin. That's quite a common presentation to the PD. What should we be doing? What should we? How should we be approaching those patients? Gently. Most of these little lads are a bit terrified because their willy is sore, but the reality is you probably don't need to do much. The treatment for this is nothing. They don't need treated. It's a simple inflammatory response. It's not a urinary tract infection. It's not any form of sepsis that needs us to do much to it, but most people end up giving them antibiotics. Here's a trick. Don't give them antibiotics and they'll still get better within two days. It just makes everybody feel better that we're giving them something. I try to avoid doing that. I appreciate that at three o'clock in the morning when somebody wants something doing, they feel that that's a useful thing to do. Please don't be sticking any creams down there because it's just the most painful thing in the world and it just makes these poor little buggers terrified for the next two weeks. But you don't need any creams. So it's not uncommon for us to see a child comes in with what we presume is a balanitis. And typically I see people prescribed oral antibiotics and a common one which is used is, you know, chloramphenicol mm. eye ointments. So you use a topical chloramphenicol eye ointment and put that down the foreskin and squeeze it around. Mm. And as you say, you know, young chap doesn't seem terribly keen on that. It's a one-eyed trouser snake I appreciate, but there is no value in putting eye ointment on a willy. It, it just doesn't work. It hurts. It's forcing that thing down the tip of the foreskin causes so much grief and they get better. But how many of those families do you think persist for the whole week of treatment in doing that? Virtually none of them. It just gets better. So what's the cause of the inflammation? Who knows? I think that's the honest answer. It's just an irritation. But it's a bit like bug bites. If you get a little bite and then you just scratch it, it starts to get worse. And if you see these little lads, they're constantly playing with their foreskins. That's because it's a bit irritated. It just gets irritated by urine. It has nothing to do with the shape, the length of it, the redundancy of it, and all those other things that people worry about. It's just bad luck. And Giving creams and antibiotics, certainly. So the madness of giving anything other than a topical antibiotic is just craziness. It doesn't help them and it just makes things worse. People do swabs and find bacteria, but I suggest if you put the swab down the child's ear and treat that bacteria, you'll have just as good a result. The worst thing you can do, and this is beloved of the older general practitioners, is telling them to stretch it in the bath. 
this firm belief that balanitis has something to do with the retractility or otherwise of the foreskin is entirely wrong. Boys who have a normally retractile foreskin can get balanitis and boys whose foreskin has still not retracted don't get balanitis. Evidence? Zero. Just leave it alone. It will get better. So do you ever see like a severe cellulitis of the foreskin and penis? Virtually never. In the whole of my career, I've seen two kids admitted that we were very worried had something more severe than just balanitis. It's understandable if it looks disastrous that people want to give them antibiotics and occasionally even admit them to give IV antibiotics, but it just gets better. I have never, ever heard of necrotizing fasciitis or anything like that that we're all terrified about. It just looks worse than it is. And that looking bad is part of the problem. We have to realise that it is terrifying to put the kid to bed at night, wake up in the morning and find that this thing looks disastrous like somebody's hit it with a hammer. And occasionally there is the accusation that somebody has hit it with a hammer because it looks so bad. But in fact, it's just a severe reaction to the inflammatory process. OK, so what about other mimics for this? Because there are other reasons why you might see a child with a, a, an inflamed uh, foreskin or inflamed penis, and it's not due to infection and it's not just due to inflammation. The only other one that I would have a look for is a hair tie tourniquet, particularly in the babies in nappies. Mum's got beautiful long hair, and at the base of the penis you can see a little hair has wrapped itself around. How they do this, I don't know. It's not that someone has put it there intentionally, but it can start to auto-amputate the skin. Top tip, don't try and cut it. Use VEET. Most departments have hair removal cream for this express purpose. That's something which I think is done in, in certain areas of the country. I'm not sure we have it in ours. I think there's maybe something for us to think about. And we must say, from a commercial point of view, other hair removal creams are available. <laughs> I have no idea how effective it is. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so that's something we see around toes as well yep. and fingers in small children. So it's exactly the same thing, but with uh, another extremity. So that brings us on to other problems. And the other problem that we see, you, you sort of alluded to, it, is about retractability and the, the sort of the, the mechanics of the foreskin. And that's around retractility and ballooning of the penis, ballooning of the foreskin, should I say, which occasionally brings kids to the PED. So it's down to physics. And the talk that I give to families in outpatients, if they get referred to us, is about a big party balloon, that the uh, foreskin itself is very distensible, whereas the meatus is much less so. So the pressure into that is like filling a balloon and the sides balloon up whereas it takes a while for the urine to come out the end. Now, the interesting thing is that this did not happen prior to them presenting to you. It's something that comes on, because what happens is that the foreskin is becoming less adherent to the glands, and so this kid in whom ballooning is new, it was never noticed before, because all the pressure of the urine out of the glands meatus had gone straight onto the meatus of the foreskin, but now his foreskin is starting to retract, there's a potential space to fill. And that's why they present saying, well, this didn't happen before. I've seen him pee and he's now ballooning. Now, of course, ballooning, we need to get down to the size of this thing. I asked the family how big it balloons because everybody uses the phrase, but it's about the difference between a grape and a plum, which is probably normal. If it's the size of a satsuma, then we probably need to start taking this a little bit more seriously, that there might be a problem. But the key thing here is the age of the child. 
the important diagnosis to make is one of balanitis xerotica obliterans, and that's X-E-R-O, not erotica. Xerox means dry. So in these boys, who are virtually all over the age of five, there is a scar happens at the end of the penis, and that is what causes the pressure, that is what causes the ballooning, that is what causes the balanitis. So how would we spot that in the ED? How does that look different from... How does that look different from just somebody who's turning up with ballooning or problems like that? So if you look at the end of the foreskin and ask the boy or his parents to gently try to retract the foreskin, you will see BXO. Now, under five, it just doesn't happen. So you almost don't even need to look. Over the age of five, it's a white, shiny scar. It just looks abnormal. The real thing is so very few people do this that that's why they're not sure of what's happening. But all those key phrases that people use of pinhole meatus, realistically, in a boy who has severe BXO, the hole is so small that you can't see it. The normal non-retractile foreskin is probably a millimetre or two in diameter, and that is not BXO. Look for the white shiny scar and then you'll know. Okay, so look for a white shiny scar in the child you're worried about BXO. Yep. Okay, so more foreskin things, because who would have thought the foreskin had so many issues? But it does, and it is a common presentation in the ED, is the issue of paraphimosis. Not something we see very commonly in children. We see much more, actually, on the adult side, the paraphimosis. But I have seen a couple in children, and in general, people seem to panic about it and think they need surgical uh, treatment. But my experience is virtually all of these can be reduced with gentle pressure, a bit of time, a bit of lubrication, and just using a slow technique and just slowly squeezing the soft tissues, getting the edema out of the glands and allowing the foreskin to come forward again. Absolutely. The causation, though, is the retractility of the foreskin. So what happens in these little lads is that at some point somebody attempts to retract the foreskin possibly for the first time. So if it's the little boy on his own, he retracts the foreskin, is terrified by what he has found and achieved and doesn't know what to do. So he just sits there for an hour or two while the end of his penis starts to swell up. And that's why they come in. It's very different from the older male who has other reasons for having a non-retract, for having paraphimosis. As you rightly say, the technique is to squeeze firmly the gland's penis. Forget the rest of it, because it's the glands which has increased in size, causing the difficulty in retracting the foreskin back over it. So literally squeeze the head of the penis for as long and as hard as you can manage, or get the boy or his dad to do it, and then attempt to bring the foreskin back forward. All other tricks with ice and jelly and needles and sugar sugar yeah just get on and it's it's about force directed appropriately it's difficult ultimately over time over time over time time. it usually works they don't need circumcised it's a very old-fashioned approach that just because someone's had one episode of paraphimosis that they need circumcised the vast majority will settle down and not need any intervention Which brings us nicely to the last thing I wanted to talk about today, which again is a very common reason for people to present to my emergency department, are young boys who have a problem post-circumcision. Or maybe they don't have a problem post-circumcision, but they've just had a circumcision and somebody's had a look at it a few days later and thought, gosh, that does not look good. I better take them to hospital. And the, the problems we see are either they don't like the look of it or sometimes it's bleeding. 
if a boy has been circumcised in hospital, the risk of significant bleeding is very, very low indeed. What happens is it is a very small area that tends to bleed and bleed and bleed. And what people end up doing is putting cotton wool on it or some toilet roll, and that basically sucks the blood out and it continues to, quote, bleed. They tend not to come to much harm and direct pressure on that. Tranexamic acid is useful if you want to put that on there. Some people use adrenaline, but just direct pressure will stop it. If you think of picking a scab off your knee, it will bleed. And so it's the same on a penis that's been circumcised. A boy who's had BXO and then a circumcision, it will look horrendous. I say to the families, this will look like a dog has chewed it in about three days' time. It does not look nice because the exposed skin having been, the foreskin having been removed, is all bruised and bloody and it does look vile. The reality of infection in circumcisions is virtually zero. And if you think of all the circumcisions done in the world, there are very, very, very few of them get infected. And this is a good point to remember that community circumcisions are safer than hospital circumcisions. We forget the numerator that are done in the community. The denominator is the difference. Now, we forget the denominator that are done in the community. The numerator is what you see. But there are thousands done out there and very, very few come through with a problem. Whereas the hospital ones, it's much higher numerator. So bringing all that back together, what have we talked about in this segment? We talked about the, the issue that we see a lot of foreskins in the emergency departments brought in is a common presentation. But actually what you're telling me is that most things could be managed really very conservatively, that we probably over-treat a lot of the balanitis. No, we definitely over-treat the balanitis. And we need to sort of stop and think about whether we're doing the right thing there. And certainly putting the chloramphenicol eye drops in, I really do need to stop and think about doing that because I must admit I'm doing that at the moment. I'm sorry. Uh, parafimosis, treat it like the adults, that's okay. And don't get too worried about it. And actually calm the parents down if they're worried about these sort of things. It doesn't mean there's a disaster. It doesn't mean there's long-term problems. Lots of kids have these issues and they just settle and they go on to you know, completely normal lives. The difficulty is that there is a lot of gossip in the community about what needs to happen. So most people, if they see a kid with some form of foreskin problem, expect them to be circumcised. And that upsets people. So even if it's sore and red, we're still not going to circumcise them. We virtually never circumcise boys for balanitis, for paraphimosis, or for recurrent infections. It's not something that needs to be done. The only indication is this BXO. And then lastly, circumcisions are done both in the community and the hospital. Actually, probably safer to be done in the community uh, on the basis of just the numbers. But again, most of the complications of that are fairly simple. They're localised. You might get a bit of bleeding, which you can just use your normal techniques to stop the bleeding. And in particular, the BXO ones are going to look pretty dodgy on day two, day three. It will look very yep. painful and sore. But again, reassurance and conservative management is the case for all of these. But I'm sure that if anybody was really worried about what they were looking at, it is acceptable to ask for help. That's what we're here for. Marvellous. Thank you very much, Ross. And... We'll hear more about paediatric surgery from you shortly. Thanks for having me. 